in today's show. I'm looking at players who are losers. Losers from the NBA draft. They see their value drop for this season and future seasons, perhaps. Or maybe they've got some sneaky upside at a buy-low situation. That all is confusing. Stay tuned. I'll explain it in a sec. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Locked On Fantasy Basketball is partnering with Arcade One Up to give away three free NBA Jam Shack machines. That's right, it's three. These are the guys known for making the incredible retro three-quarter scale at-home arcade games like Pac-Man, Golden Tee, and many more. Enter to win on arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade1up.com slash locked on for your chance to win one. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. All right. So what we're talking about is losers, dynasty losers, players who after the NBA draft and before free agency... I think, have lost value in Dynasty Leagues. But for some of these guys, it might mean that there is a little bit of a buy-low window happening. Because as we know in the NBA, yes, situation is really important and these spots might really hamper these guys for the short term. But it might mean that you get them at absolutely no cost and in two to three years' time, maybe something happens. So we're going to go through all the guys. I've got about 16 or 17 guys here. Uh, that we're going to go through that I think lost value, and I'll explain why, but not not well, not before I do that. Yeah, before I do that, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with Charlotte. Remember this guy? The Hornets traded into the first round last season to draft Kai Jones. I thought it was pretty dumb at the time. Uh, I wasn't a big Kai Jones fan, and then he did exactly nothing last season, like nothing at all. And now they went and drafted Mark Williams, as they should have. Um, well, they should have drafted a center. Probably should have been a different one that they ended up trading away, but that's beyond the point. So where's Jones now? Maybe he's not a five. Maybe he's a four. I don't know, but he's behind Miles Bridges, who might not return, I guess. It's Gordon Haywood who plays some at the four. There's Jalen McDaniels. Jones is a complete afterthought to me. And the fact that I think at 6'11", rim-protecting guy, that his best position is center, and they drafted someone over him this year, it's not great for his long-term value, but... He is one of these players that I think, given he did nothing, and he could throw in his teammate James Booknight, who did basically the same level of nothing. And I, I wasn't high on either of these guys last season, and they uh, underperformed my low expectations. Maybe you can get Kai Jones at the cheapest of cheap prices. I wouldn't recommend spending really anything to get him in a dynasty league, like outside of nothing, or outside of you know picking up off a free agent wire in a deeper league, or throwing a second round pick in 2027 or something like that to try and get him, but this draft does hurt his prospects. They're not like, no, we have our future center here. It's Kai Jones. They're like, eh, we really need to get a center. In fact, we'll pick two of them at 13 and 15. And yes, we will, of course, trade one away in what might end up being a stupid decision. It might not be, but it might be. I'm going to go 
I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. Look, I, I think that one of the next losers is the big fella, Farton Will Barton. No, you will. No, he's ready to sack that. Run, Will! Get off quick! All right. So Will Barton. Here's why I think that it's not great for Will Barton. Yes, he's an older player already. They've got Jamal Murray coming back. There's the ascension of Bones Highland. But the guys they drafted, Peyton Watson, who, yes, is very raw, but has wing size. And Christian Brown, who, again, has wing size. And Barton has sort of been playing as a 2-3 and a th- two, three, with some frustrations for me and many other people watching. But getting the... Not say that Brown is replacing Barton straight away or that Watson's replacing him straight away. But I think it means that this team will end up looking to move away from Will Barton in that starting lineup. And you have Murray, you have Porter, you have Gordon. You have maybe Monty Morris. I don't know what they do there. Obviously, you have Jokic. And I think the Barton one just leaves you a little bit a little bit skeptical of what the long-term vision is. When Yes, drafting wings is super important for every team in the NBA. But I just think that you could go Murray Highland Gordon, Porter, Jokic. Brown can step in there. It just doesn't feel good for Barton and his long-term value. He's 31. All right, so he's already older. So he's already on the downswing. It might be half a season of value left here for Will Barton, I think. I'm pretty I'm pretty skeptical of where he fits sort of long-term on this team or even as an NBA starting caliber player. So if I did have Will Barton, and I'm going to play it again because I like the sound drop. No, you will. No, he's ready to sack that. Um, yeah, I'd be pretty worried about how quickly this is going to fall away for, um, for Will Barton. If we go on to the Detroit Pistons, a couple of guys in real trouble, I think. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. Elf Stewart got superseded, I guess, by Jalen Duran. Um, or Jalen Duran. And then, of course, Killian Hayes with the selection of Jaden Ivey. I missed big time on Killian Hayes as a draft prospect. I think he's still shown enough to be a solid third guard, really good defensive guard, but the offense just hasn't come around. And Ivey's just going to replace him pretty much straight away, you would hope. But, you know, Dwayne Casey, maybe maybe this is the that Dwayne Casey goes, no, I actually really like Killian Hayes. Despite having two years of having the opportunity to play him, and I, I struggled to do that for good minutes. Maybe I like him now just because I hate rookies. Yeah, it's possible. But... You would expect, and now again, I've said this so many times about Stuart, is when you're looking in Dynasty, do not bank on him long-term because this is not a guy that you don't draft over. And two years in, he got drafted over. And I know everyone is in, let's Dutch Rider Troy Weaver stage at the moment, but Stuart and Hayes are two guys that he drafted two years ago, and I think they're being replaced already. And that's part of, and that's not a, a hit against Weaver, but it just shows that you're drafting. It shows he's not perfect. He's not the best, best GM in the league because you're going to make misses and you're not going to hit everything. And yeah, But having those guys and taking swings on other players and seeing what happens and having multiple bites at the cherry is what you need to do as an NBA GM. And he's worked that part of it out. I think, you know, can Stewart and Duran play together? Maybe. I don't love it. I think long-term you want Bay and Duran as the 4-5 as the combo. Um, and probably they'd be bad again and get another pick on the wing in this upcoming draft. Could yeah, Stuart and Duran's not a... Look, Stuart did start to shoot some threes. 
Um, it's not a combo I like for more than a couple of minutes a game. And I think we're not going to get Stewart really pushing forward. But like Kai Jones, I think there is a little bit of a buy-low window once the season starts and we see Stewart playing in a low role. Because maybe he ends up being as part of a trade. Maybe he ends up moving in restricted free agency and becoming a starter later on. Remember how hard it was for Jonas Valanciunas under Dwayne Casey to play 30 minutes a night. Took seven or eight years for it to eventually happen. And now look at what we get from Jonas Valanciunas. I'm not saying Stewart's that guy because he's not. He's nowhere near it. But sometimes situation and coaches and just development take time. And I think you'll see a dip from Stewart this season, and that might make him a buy logo. As for Hayes, yeah, I don't think he's going to end up being a starting caliber player. So I wouldn't be looking at him as necessarily a buy low guy, but it's not looking particularly rosy for um, for Killian Hayes in the NBA or as a high-level dynasty player um, at this point in time. But what is looking rosy is Sakara because feeling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and truly enjoy it with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. And so now's that time to seek wellness, to seek joy, and to seek abundance. I feel like I need like a bed of harp music playing under here and a more softer voice. Starting with what you eat. With Saqqara, you get nutrient-dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body without ever sacrificing taste or quality. Saqqara, the organic, plant-rich, transformational nutrition programs are designed to help you cultivate body intelligence so you can nourish your body and experience the results that you want. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Sakara gives you those tools you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials and all joking aside, which I'm not really joking, this stuff's great. Like, Sakara's fantastic, and eating well actually does make you feel better. And as you get older, when you eat crap, you realize that you feel crap. So, the converse is true. You eat well, and you do start to feel feel really well. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter the code locked on 20 at checkout. That's Sakara, S A K A R A dot com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order sakara.com slash locked on 20 let's look at some more dynasty losers i think in houston the wild thing not great for him even the wild thing's going well i can't do much about that that is of course jay sean tate um look at I've gone on and on about my opinions on Jason Tate and maybe some of this stuff and these lists of players, and you'll see that even with the next guy we talk about, are guys that I've been skeptical and I've been not as high on as people around the league or the fantasy community or any the guys that I'm just more skeptical of longer term. And Tate's one of those players where I go, it's fine. He's great now. But what his role, he's not great. He's okay now in a situation that could not be more optimized for him to put up numbers. But ideally, his spot is as an eighth or ninth rotation player on a playoff team. And now, the Rockets bring in Jabari Smith Jr. So, Tate starting at the four. Bye, that's done. Do we want Tate starting at the three? Oh, they also brought in Tari Eason, who's going to be getting some of those minutes. So, where does Tate fit? And while he's not old, he's also not young. Came into the league young. Oh, sorry, old as a rookie. He's played only two seasons, but he's currently 26 and will be 27 before the end of the year. So, he's not young. 
He's not old, but he's not young. But he doesn't fit the timeline of Green and Shangun and Smith and Eason and Washington and Christopher and Porter. He's not the same age as any of those guys. So I do think that Tate, who struggled even to be like, hasn't been a top 80 guy at all in the first two years or top 100 guy, when that situation's been optimized for him realistically, I just think that getting those two forwards in, Smith and Eason, um, doesn't bode well for him. And I'll say the same thing for this next guy, who again, I am much lower on than other people. And that's Chris Duarte of the Indiana Pacers. Duarte, I didn't like him getting drafted in the lottery. I don't think drafting 24-year-olds in the lottery is a great idea. Duarte has just turned 25 after one season. And yes, Buddy Heald and Malcolm Brogdon, they might not be long-term pieces for this Pacers team. But the Pacers at pick six came in this year and went, all right, Benedict Mathurin, or Mathurin, they just went, we're just drafting straight over the top of Duarte. And maybe Duarte can play at the three. He was a point guard in college, though, not a three. Um, maybe Mathurin can play at the three. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either of them can at this point. But Heald is still there, and he's still a significantly better player than what um, than what Duarte is. And I don't think this team's going to be particularly good, so I think they might be picking higher again in the lottery next season. And I just think that Duarte had an opportunity earlier this season. He was all right for a month or two, fell way off. And I think that people get were super excited about it. Oh, so many people were telling me he was rookie of the year. He was going to be the rookie of the year to start the year, which was insane to me. And I just think that the drafting of Mathurin, the acquisition of Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald to a degree, even the drafting of Kendall Brown, who much later, yes, the drafting of Andrew Nempard. I just don't think that it's great for Duarte. I was never super high on him. And again, maybe this clouds some of my judgment of Stewart, of Tate, of Duarte, because I was never super high on them. I was never super high on Kai Jones. I was on Killian Hazer, so maybe that gives me a pass. But I just don't think this is great news for Chris Duarte, personally. Let's keep the theme running. I don't think it's great news for Dylan Brooks. I know everyone loves Brooksy. He's got that dog in him. Yeah, he does. He's also got an inflated sense of self-importance. Defensively, he can be good. He fouls like a crazy person. He takes too many shots. And we didn't get to see Morant, Bain, and Brooks playing together with a healthy Jaron Jackson. We didn't get to see it. So, A, number one next season, I think if those guys are healthy, he's naturally going to lose value. Some values. I think Bain might, might lose a little bit as well. But ideally, you want to prioritize um, Bain over Brooks. But the fact that they came in and drafted Jake LaRavia, a forward, they drafted David Roddy Piper. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. These guys are forwards. And what they've been doing is playing Brooks at the two and Bain at the three. And I think getting LaRavia, getting Roddy, it, Danny Green, I know he's not going to play this season, but where does that put Brooks? Someone needs to move out of that starting lineup. Is it Bain or is it Brooks? Well, you're not out of that same lineup, but it just adds extra pressure there that eventually they want replacement threes. Zaire Williams is still there. They want threes. They want wings because they think Bain's a two and Brooks probably needs to move to the bench at some point, would be my guess. Yes, they did move on from De'Anthony Melton, 
But does that mean that Bain moves to the two and Brooks moves into that bench role? That's possible. So I, I think that there's a number of things that are going to reduce Brooks's value this season. Number one, playing with Bain and Moran at the same time. And over the coming years, the fact that they're targeting wings, Zaire Williams, LaRavia, Roddy as a forward. I think all those things, even Vince Williams as a wing, all those things probably do end up hurting his value somewhat. In Minnesota, I don't think it's great news for Nazareth Reed. At pick 22, they drafted Walker Kessler. They traded into that pick. They back from 19 to 22. And Kessler probably only profiles as a backup center. Maybe him and Towns can start together, but Naz Reed was their backup center. And to waste a sort of good pick on a backup center when you've got a backup center there, it doesn't really speak volumes for their confidence in Naz Reed. Now, Reed's a guy that when he does start, he's a high-usage guy who can be low in efficiency and can struggle sometimes defensively, even though he blocks shots. But yeah, a guy that we look and go, oh, per 36 numbers. There's some interesting stuff here. Well, that's really good. Or if he gets an opportunity. I tend to think that this might be an indication of we don't think that you are suited to this role. And we're not really sure that you actually have high-level upside to maybe become a starter at some point. I, I could be wrong on that. But that's sort of how I'm reading that. I think it's obvious that Devontae Graham is not in the Pelicans' um, plans at the moment. Jose Alvarado, CJ McCollum, all these guys you know, playing bigger roles last season. And now they draft the uh, the vacuum, the dustbuster, Dyson Daniels, who's just going to play some of those minutes as well. Graham had that nice breakout season a few years ago for Charlotte, but has sort of regressed to what he was, the 40th pick in the NBA draft who can't really shoot or can't defend. And he's an okay passer, but he's just been figured out, it feels like, in the league. And you know, getting Daniels in doesn't really bode well, I don't think, for Graham's long-term future. Graham is 27, so he's not super old. But I also don't think that any team's going to be like, we'll take him off your hands because we want him to be our starter. I think that you know the acquisition of CJ, now the acquisition of the vacuum, um, does make it really tough on um, on Devontae to get value back. Thinking about this one a little bit more, I think that the acquisition of, or oh, sorry, that what the New York Knicks did on draft day is a little bit of a downer for Emmanuel quickly. And hear me out on this. Yes, they traded away, um, they traded away Kemba Walker. Hello. But Walker wasn't playing for the last two and a half months of the season. Quickly started to play really well there. But they drafted another guard in Trevor Keels to go with Quentin Grimes and Juice McBride. And they made moves to dump Kemba and trade away draft picks to open up cap space with what looks like a gigantic overpay for Jalen Brunson. It's not that they're trading away Kemba Walker or they're making these moves because Emmanuel Quickly is their starting point guard. That's why, uh, now quickly is one of the, uh, more so than Kai Jones, more so than Isaiah Stewart, that I would buy low on if this is the case and Brunson signs and we see again, quickly push into a backup role. Because I don't think you'd want Brunson and quickly as your starting backcourt. I think they'll still go with Evan Fournier there. Um, so while it might look like it opens up and this is the time, quickly and top, and we saw it at the end of the year. Wow, look at the chemistry. Look at that. They were fun. They were great. They've made moves, maybe poor moves, to bring in Jalen Brunson to again step in front of Emmanuel quickly. That's how I'm viewing it at the moment. 
If I had Emmanuel quickly in Dynasty, I wouldn't trade away because of this. But I'd also be like, I do think he loses a little bit of value here because I think that the Knicks aren't prioritizing him to be their start. They don't go, we have got our starting point guard. I don't think they're viewing it that way. Um, We've got a few more of these to go through and we'll go through them in just a second. But I'm going to tell you about betonline.net, your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including Major League Baseball, golf, all the fights, UFC, boxing, all that stuff. It's right there. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season. They've got odds up somehow. I don't know how this is happening. For every NFL game already for next season, let's just pick a random date. October 9th, Eagles, Cardinals. Cardinals, three-point favorites. I don't know how they got that up. The Ravens and the Patriots on September the 25th. The Patriots, two-and-a-half-point favorites. They're all up. If you want to go and have a look at all of the odds for all of the NFL season already, betonline.net, it's got everything there for you already. Betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Betonline is where the game starts. Let's go to Oklahoma City. I don't think it's great news for Darius Baisley or Alexei Pokyshevsky. Not only did the Thunder draft Chet Holmgren at pick two, they drafted Pig Williams at pick 34, Jalen Williams from Arkansas. There's J- the other Jalen Williams, the Missile, at pick 12. And there's Usman Jeng at pick 11. Baisley plays the three, the four, the five. Poku plays the three, the four, the five. Really, or not the five, three and the four, really is where he's been playing. Jeng plays the three and the four. Chet plays the four and the five. Pig Williams plays the four and the five. The Missile, Jalen Williams, Plays the two and the three. All these guys are pushed in, and Baisley has shown nothing for two years. Poku has shown minute flashes, and I like Poku. He's still really young. I think he's still a much better upside play than Baisley. And maybe that makes Poku a little bit of a buy low, but I, I think this significantly hurts both of these guys. Baisley, it almost writes him off completely to me, and I, I think it does hurt Poku quite a bit. And you can talk about the Thin Towers and Poku and Chet together, I really don't think it's going to happen very often. Robinson Earl, Pig Williams, these sort of guys, I think will play more together with Chet than what Poku will. I don't think we'll see that combo very often. Maybe we will, maybe I'm wrong. I just think this hurts both of those guys. And you want to talk about a team that I think where multiple players get hurt from what happened at the NBA draft? Let's talk about the Orlando Magic. I think it hurts Cole Anthony, Chumra Kiki, and of course... Mo Bamba, who, I don't even know. Is he a Magic player? I don't know. One, two, three, four, five. Scratch that, I do know. There's almost no way he's going to be on the Orlando Magic. But if he is somehow on the Orlando Magic, Mo Bamba, his value gets killed. He had the opportunity this year. They started him and Wendell Carter Jr. together, and there was no John Isaac. Right? Next season, Isaac, I guess theoretically he's still a player. He'll be there at some point. But they bring in Paulo Bunkero. Bunkero and Carter is your starting front quarter, I'm going to guess. And Bamba plays instead of 27 minutes a night, he plays 18 minutes. Now, Bamba, it was his best season by far. I just don't think he's particularly good, and I don't think any team would want to invest and play him the amount of minutes that the Magic played him last season. Maybe he's a 20-minute-a-night player, a 21-minute-a-night player, but I don't really ever see him getting back to that 28 to 30-minute-a-night range. As for Ikiki, he's just buried. Bunkero, Wagner, Carter, Isaac. Okiki shows some things at times, but 
as I have stressed with him multiple times, we see him have these big games and you go, how realistic is it for him to play 30 plus minutes and to have 25 usage because everyone else is out? Because that's where he really thrived. I just don't think no one wants to go, all right, boys, clear out. Don't worry about it. We're not getting anyone in because we've got Trimmer Akiki, who's going to be our second usage guy. No one is thinking that. And when we see big performances from players at weird times of the years, we have to focus on, does that make any sense? And I don't think it does for Trimmer. Yes, he can rack up defensive numbers, but maybe he's a 20-minute-a-night player. I don't think he's ever... I think this is not great for him with the addition of Bunkero here because, again, it just... And the return of Isaac, it just hurts. And I don't think Isaac's long for this franchise, to be honest. I just think it hurts Akiki's maybe alleged upside that he might have. Why do I think it's bad for Cole Anthony? Cole Anthony had a great six weeks or so to start last season and then honestly really struggled after that. And then when Markel Fultz came back, I think Fultz showed that he's a better floor general sort of a player. Anthony was taking advantage of a situation where he was the lead usage player, where he was the lead ball handler and really the only ball handler and dealing with a rookie next to him in Jalen Suggs. Suggs, I haven't written him off, but it was a bad first year, but his second year. Fultz is back, finally healthy. And the usage guy is going to be Bunkero, who also has the ball and runs things run through him. So Anthony probably had the best situation of his NBA career in terms of putting up individual numbers. High usage, high minutes, lots of touches, lots of ball in his hands, lots of running everything. And I don't think that's going to be the case for him as we move forward. And he probably profiles best as a sixth man as we move forward in his career. So it was great. We got that little starting stretch and we saw big, big numbers. It wasn't able to continue even in a situation that was best for him to put up those numbers. And he can become a better player and he will be a better player. But will he ever be in a situation where he's a 33-minute-a-night guy with high usage and good assists, running an offense and being the number one guy? I highly, highly doubt that. So I don't think that's great for him because Bunkero is not Jabari Smith. He's a forward who's going to have the ball and going to initiate and going to be that main guy, which was Anthony's role, which means Anthony in that starting lineup is less important and Fultz is more important and Suggs is more important in those situations and Wagner's more important, I think, in those situations. Let's give me another chance to hit this sound drop. Hello. It's terrible for Lonnie Walker. Now, I don't think Lonnie Walker is good at all. I think that the Spurs won't even offer him a qualifying offer, to be honest, and he won't be back. But the fact that they drafted two shooting guards, Malachi Branham and Blake Wesley, after drafting Devin Vassell and Josh Primo in the previous two years, makes you think that their level of faith in him is all invisible. And yes, maybe they are trading DeJounte Murray. And if they are trading DeJounte Murray for a number of picks, it's because they want to be terrible and they want pick number one to get Victor Wembanyama. Or number two for Scoot Henderson. Or number three for... I think Whitehead or the Thompson brothers or whatever. There's a lot of players in next year's draft that, that look really good. But this is terrible news for Lonnie, uh, Lonnie Walker. Unless you're in a situation where everyone's out and you've got all the usage in the world and you can score, that's all he can do. He can't do anything else. And you're getting drafted over the top of like four times in the last three years. It's terrible news for him. And I don't think he's ever going to break out personally. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Might not be. I probably could have included someone like Keldon uh, Johnson in this because they drafted Jeremy Sohan. Sohan now. Because Johnson was playing as an undersized four, he's probably going to have to play more at the three. But that means you got you into the mix with Primo and Vassell. They've also do they go with Pertle and Zach Collins together more? I don't, again, Johnson had opportunities the last couple of years. I don't think he's a guy that you just go. We we've built around Keldon Johnson now that everything's sweet. 
and the values there would just bring other guys into compete and try and take things away from him. That's sort of how I'm viewing that. Again, open for other people to disagree with that. And if you are watching on YouTube, disagree down in the comments. That's what we love. The last team I'm going to look at, they've got three guys who I think lose value here, and that is the Toronto Raptors. Three centers, Ken Birch, Chris Boucher, the wiki, who is an unrestricted free agent, but might be back, I don't know. And even Precious Achua, who started to show some things at the end of last season. He was basically the worst rotation player in the NBA non-trailers division to start the season. It was horrendous watching a center have a true shooting of like 46%, but he started to improve. But now they draft Christian Coloco. Now, Christian Coloco was drafted with pick 33. That's not high draft capital. Boucher had no draft capital. Ken Birch had no draft capital. And Nachua was like pick 21 or pick 22, not a particularly high draft guy. Coloco's big. Those guys are not. He's a good rim protector. Better than every one of those. Maybe not. Well, Boucher is a good rim protector. But Coloco, I think, has the highest upside out of that group to become a starting center with a little bit of range. Yes, Achua has got it, but he's undersized. So I think yeah, Birch, it kills. Boucher, I think it really hurts. And I, I know I know we're going to hear it at some point again when we hit into draft season in redrafts. Oh, Boucher, I'll just take that flyer because if he plays 30 minutes, it's going to be great. He's just never going to do that. It's just never going to happen. We saw that this year. And I just think that him at age 29 or 30, whatever it is, it's past. The opportunity is gone, I, I think, for Boucher. And I think that you know, if we just thought that this was an um, unopposed runway for Achua to play 30 minutes, I think Coloco being there hurts that. And the fact that they'll probably start Siakam at center a lot still. So I think it hurts all three of those guys. You are more than welcome to tweet at me and tell me why I'm wrong on those players or someone else you might think might be a dynasty loser after the NBA draft. And if you're course on YouTube, drop them in the comments. Tomorrow's show, I am undecided, but what I might do one day away from free agency starting, I might do either a free agency preview or I might do a 2021 NBA draft redraft. Maybe I'll do both. I don't know. Let me know what you think about those show ideas. You can drop them in the comments below. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app for here on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave those comments below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.